Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Thank you for joining us here today in Dialogues for Dermatology of Practice Management Series, Dr. Miller. For those of you that may not be familiar with Dr. Miller, he is our AAD advisor to the AMA CPT editorial panel. Dr. Miller will be discussing with us today the upcoming coding guideline changes to the evaluation and management coding for office or other outpatient visits. So with that, Dr. Miller, let's start first by clarifying one of the questions that some people may have, and that is exactly what outpatient type of activities uh, will these changes apply to? Well, these will affect the usual outpatient evaluation and management codes that we report uh, for our services. And that is the codes presently that are 99201 to 99205 for new patient visits and 99211 through 99215 for uh, follow-up or established patient visits. Now the codes themselves are not being renumbered but rather the selection for code criteria will be what to my mind are simplified and defined in a significantly more granular, more illustrative process such that people will be more easily and more rapidly able to not only select a code, but ensure that if the codes and the chart were reviewed by an insurer's company adjudicator, that any adjudicator from whatever company would adjudicate it consistently to the same level of coding. So it creates a somewhat simplified and more realistic, more doctor-centric coding system that reflects how we think about patient care and the complexity of how we think about patient care, and also will satisfy requirements for consistent evaluation of coding by adjudicators, so that if somebody were audited, any adjudicator or any auditor would reach the same level of code. So we'll go into some of these changes in more detail in a moment, but Just a few more questions. When will these changes occur? These will start a hard start time, January 1st, 2021. There is no grace period, as one of my colleagues asked me about. Uh, These are hard changes. This is the way the CPT works, because these are changes that are printed and published in the AMA CPT codebook. And these changes always start hard on January 1st of the new year. What will be the consequences for physicians that aren't prepared to implement? Well, the consequence may be that, number one, they'd be making things harder for themselves with respect to selecting a code. And number two, they may come up with a, uh, an improper code selection. All right. So let's go through these changes in more detail. Sure. Can you explain what the, the major changes are? Sure. And I'll give a little bit of a preamble because obviously people may wonder, well, golly, for 30 years, this has worked for me. 
And I've studied all of the complexities of integrating history and physical examination and the presenting problem severity and the medical decision making into selecting ENM codes. And all of a sudden you're up checking it. Why are you doing this to me? And the why is very simple. It is practical. Not only have the codes been stagnant for 30 years, and things change, and maybe there'd be a reason for change. But most importantly, in 2019, for 2019, the CMS proposed rule, that is CMS proposed policy for the following year, which would have been 19, was intending dramatic changes to reimbursement and was proposing combining reimbursement for several ENM codes into just one block, one same reimbursement, whether the code was lower level or higher level. But that kind of dramatic change always includes a pay for, just as in legislative conditions. How do you pay for this stuff? Because the anticipated was a uh, higher expenditure and the pay for was a reduction in payment for dot 25 modifier associated coding. That is, if one did a procedure and a separately identifiable evaluation and management service on the same date of service for a patient, then we would bill the procedure and we would bill the evaluation and management with a dot 25 modifier attached to indicate that it was a separately identifiable service and independent of the procedure. Well, Medicare said, that if we were to implement this policy, we would reduce payment for any service billed with a dot 25 modifier by 50%. Now, realizing that dermatology is by far overwhelmingly the major utilizer of dot 25 modifiers, that would have hit dermatology financially in a tremendous fashion. We bill substantially over 50% of our charges to Medicare with an associated DOT 25 modifier. And there were other details, but as a consequence of this, the House of Medicine was not highly receptive of this unilateral approach and felt that and convinced CMS, Medicare, that it would be prudent to have the ENM codes undergo a measured and considered revision with the participation of CMS. And that is what happened. CMS agreed, participated in an over year long initiative that very carefully considered code changes. And that was done in a committee that included work group participation by a representative from the American Academy of Dermatology and with input from the advisors, such as my advisor group, and consequent to that, we are now facing the revamped ENM paradigms. Great. So now tell us exactly what those changes are. The changes in uh, the ENM really simplify the coding process and quite directly will involve coding only based on one of two criteria, either medical decision-making or time. That means that unlike the present system, there will be no history, no physical examination, and no presenting problem that will factor into the choice of code. 
Now, obviously, one should still do a pertinent history and physical examination, but those properties will not influence or in any way code selection. Furthermore, the medical decision-making will have similar levels to what we have right now, but they will be much more clearly defined with much more identifiable examples and stratification as well, and, and I'll go into that. The second uh, property of coding for uh, 2021 for ENM will be time. And first of all, one will have a choice with every reported ENM code. One will have a choice and a decision to make whether they will code and select a code by medical decision-making criteria or select a code by time. Time, unlike now, which is only to be used for ENM coding when coordination of care or counseling account for 50% or greater of the time allotted for the visit. In 2021, time will be total time spent for the care of the patient, regardless of whether it's care coordination or counseling, just total time. And that total time will include pre-service, intra-service, and post-service. Pre-service means re uh, reviewing a chart, reviewing prior notes, reviewing laboratory tests, whatever time prior to actually having a face-to-face -face with the patient. Then the face-to-face -face with the patient counts as time, and then post-service as well. And post-service may include charting, and it may include producing a note for a referring physician. All of that is then added to the total time. There will be hard time ranges that will define for each code, and one simply plugs in the total time spent into a time range and select the code. Dr. Miller, a clarification on time. You know, with the current electronic medical records, physicians often find themselves spending many hours documenting the care of their patients or their notes. What aspect of that time are you going to be able to pull out and decide that's the one that you can count on? Every aspect. That is, that's the charting part. So, in essence, one would have to have a mechanism for time awareness in order to precisely and ethically produce a code or extract a code. And if we're uh, spending time prior to walking or in or face-to-face -face interacting with the patient, then we keep track of that. It's almost as if one were to have a stopwatch every time needed or an egg timer or something like that to keep track of time. And then afterwards, if there's charting involved specifically for that patient, that charting is included. So it may be that if one is coding by time, one would really not determine the exact code until the end of the day, if that's when charting is completed for that patient. Would it be prudent to have some way of documenting that time? Well, obviously, that time would need to be documented. I mean, if one would want to sort of edit or proof their document and make it adjudication appropriate and chart review proof, then one would want to document the time so that whatever is additive in there 
will add up to the proper range that the person selected. It's pretty easy, except we got to keep track of time. We're not used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I bring that up because, you know, at the one event of electronic records is you can document the specific time you spent on a chart on a specific patient. So it may be that we need to look at how we're able to keep track of those things for these patients. Yes. Of audits or other things. I think that's one property that the electronic health records industry may need to look at and uh, figure out how to facilitate that uh, timekeeping for their customers, that is, the health professionals who are using their systems. So let's go back a second and maybe dissect out a little bit more about the medical decision-making in, in terms of how to approach that. Sure. Well, we'll have three elements of medical decision-making. And those are number and complexity of problems addressed at the encounter, amount and or complexity of data to be reviewed and analyzed. And the third one is risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. Those are three separate entities that comprise the, the whole of medical decision-making or MDM. Now, in assessing the appropriate code and assigning the appropriate code, one would look at the level of each one of those things, determine that level, and then out of those three factors, select the two levels that match. So what we will have is straightforward, low, moderate and high MDM levels of visit. And let's say if the first column, the number and complexity of problems addressed at the encounter comes out to be a low level, if the elements of medical decision-making, which is laboratory test uh, assessment uh, and or independent historians, for example, I'll go over that. Um, then if that comes out to a nothing or minimal, that would be a minimal or straightforward type of minimal. And then if one goes to the third column, risk of complications or morbidity and mortality, and that comes out to be low risk, then you have complexity of problems is low. The the uh, amount and complexity of data reviewed is minimal and the complications and mortality is low. So you have two lows, that's a low level visit. And what's a low level visit by MDM? That's a level three. So that would be a 99203 for new patients or 99213 for established patients. So it does make it easier because you don't, we don't have to worry about integrating the physical, the history into all of this. We just have these three columns for MDM. And furthermore, each one of these columns has uh, illustrations or uh, verbiage that defines much more granularly their components. So it'd be easier to pick out. What about other components like review of systems, um chief complaint, et cetera. How do those... That's the history. That's the history. It doesn't count anymore. 
That's part of the history and physical, and, and that's what, again, that's what makes it simple. We still do the, the chief complaint. We still will uh, uh, present the review of systems, but they just will not count in the determination of the actual code. And parenthetically, to your point about that, uh, concerning the chief complaint, by all means, that should still be entered because one should realize that one of the major criteria that Medicare, for example, will use in adjudicating a claim as being medically necessary or non-covered or not medically necessary will be the first line, the chief complaint. As an example, if somebody puts down a chief complaint of uh, skin check, well, that is not really a complaint, is it? That implies a screening examination. And skin screening examinations are not covered. So if, if an adjudicator from Medicare were to see that chief complaint of skin check, they may right there decide, oh, this is a non-covered service. So it's important to realize what we put in and still in, enter it in our record. just doesn't count for MDM. So our time is coming to a close soon, but do you have, for example, any examples you could give of, for example, one example of the MDM situation and another Certainly. one of the uh, time so that people can kind of see how sure. it works? Sure. And I mean, there's a variety of uh, ways of looking at it. And before I give the example, one point I wanted to make is for us as dermatologists, uh, particularly to carefully consider which structure we would like to select for coding, whether it's MDM or TANI. Realistically, for uh, dermatology, MDM is uh, going to be by far and away the most reasonable reflective of our services in the usual outpatient setting. Now, I'm not talking about the settings where there may be electronic health records that are such that require tons of time entering data later. But in the common office setting, the MDM will be the way. So to your question as to an example, I can certainly give you one and here's a very simple one. If one comes in with a complaint of a changing spot on their chest, for example, and that's the complaint. Well, if that's the one item you concentrate on and you obtain a history and you exam the lesion and you recommend no treatment because it's a seborrheic keratosis and you explain to the patient that's what it is, then you just go down the list. Okay, complexity and number of problems, one. And it's one self-limited or minor problem because that's one of the definitions there. That's a minimal level of complexity. Data reviewed, there was no lab data, there was no other data reviewed, so that's none or minimal. And then the last category, risk of complications and morbidity, well, that's minimal to none. So that's the minimal level. But one then looks and says, well, out of those three criteria I mentioned, one is minimal, one is none, and one is minimal. Two minimals is a 992202 or 99212 code. Thank you, Dr. Miller, for that explanation of how to use the medical decision, uh, work management, or MDM component. 
can you give us an example, for example, of uh, time where a physician may want to use time instead? Sure. If we uh, look at time, here's one that's coding by time. And this one will actually illustrate how time isn't always advantageous. Uh, but let's say we have a psoriasis patient who's new and the patient, he or she comes in for evaluation with some outside medical records. So you spend some time reviewing the records and the recent lab tests, which may be a TB test as well, maybe a hepatitis screening, maybe not, but you review that. And you say, uh, okay, that took me about three or four minutes. And then you spend 15 minutes with the patient face-to-face, -face, that's 15. So it's three and 15 is 18. And then after that, you um, spend a bit of time charting, but the charting may not even be involved. If you have a scribe in the room who's actually doing the electronic health records charting, well, you don't add that time because that's contemporaneous with the time that you're with the patient. If there's no scribe and and you're stuck entering data afterwards, then you might enter that into the, the whole um, uh, paradigm. So after that, you add up the time. If it's three and 15, and that's all there was, that's 18 minutes. And 18 minutes for a new patient puts it at a 99202 type of level, because the uh, total time are hard times. They're 15 to 29 minutes, sorry for a new patient. Now, if you had to do a lot of charting later and you go over that 29 minutes, then you'd go up to 30 to 44 minutes, which is a 99203 level of code. So do you have any uh, parting tips or pearls you would like to share with our listeners as it relates to these new coding changes and the steps that they should take? I think it will behoove uh, everybody to become well acquainted with and well-trained in the uh, new coding paradigms, uh, and uh, that will include the MDM and time. There is ample material that is already available and will steadily expand in availability throughout the course of the end of this year, and that will be available on the AAD website in the practice management section will include practice management articles, this dialogues in dermatology, it will include the uh, derm coding consult, it will include cracking the code articles, as well as other material on the website. And that I think I very strongly recommend that uh, everyone become familiar with the website and its uh, multitude of offerings. It sounds like the bottom line is between now and the first of the year, physicians would be well served to really start their homework as it relates to this new evaluation and management changes. Correct. Yes. Well, thank you very much. That was a very informative session. And any other uh, parting words you would like to leave us with? Thank you very much, Abel. Very pleased to participate. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed these new options for listening to dialogues and the increased content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.